it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Dave, you gotta, you gotta get a better background. Dave. I know. I'm fully aware. You look like a you look like a serial killer or maybe a sociopath. Yeah. Well, what can you do? I know. It's something I actually Just am that, a little yeah. embarrassed by, but we're gonna work on it. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Long Shot Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here virtually with my good friend and co-host, Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how we doing? Virtually. It's a shame. I'm, I'm okay, Dunk. It's downpouring snow here in Ann Arbor, and it takes me back to one of our earlier episodes where you talked about one of the greatest things of Miami was that you don't get chapped lips. And at the time, it was such a ridiculous claim uh, that it was hard to even take it seriously. But I get it now. It's so cold and dry here and snows all the time that my knuckles are so dry. I don't know if you can see. It looks like I've just been punching a brick wall for the last like three days. Uh, and it's a nightmare. I'm trying to do better with lotion, but it's just it's it's getting to the point where it's slightly painful. So I'm OK. That's a long winded way of me saying I'm OK. This would be a great opportunity to plug uh, a lotion that, that maybe supports mm. the podcast. We don't have one of those right now, but, uh, yeah, you know, maybe no for, for all you, for, yeah, for all you people out there, uh, maybe we're looking for one now. It's actually funny, Dave, that you bring that up because, uh, now that I live in Miami, I realize that I'm actually, because my skin and my body is accustomed to being in the humidity. I'm actually more susceptible to chapped lips when I travel to colder climates. So I just got back from Toronto and my lips are chapped like fully. Mm. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you actually brought that up because you could visually see that my lips are chapped uh, yeah. through the screen. But um legitimately within like seven hours of landing uh, in Toronto, I woke up. Uh, we had a back to back Boston, Toronto, and I woke up with chap lips like clockwork, you know, and it's it's just one of the many beauties of living in Florida, particularly Miami, is you just never have to worry about chap lips. I get it. It's a tragedy. It's a very uncomfortable thing to deal with too. And then you got the the conspiracy theories that chapstick actually has like little glass shards in it, so it makes your lips more cut up, so you buy more. And then it's just a you know it's a cyclical thing, and you can't get out of it unless you move to Miami. It's like the only way to not have chapped lips. I actually don't think that that's a conspiracy. I think that there's like some cold hard facts in there. I think there are like the lower tier tears of chapstick for sure just make your chap lips worse you got to go like lower tears of chapstick 
I'm not going to get into name calling, but I will shout out <laughs> some some people that are fighting the good fight in the chapped lips world. And that's, you know, the Burt's Bees of the world. Mm, um, yeah. I have a really good brand. It's kind of like a no name. I honestly don't even know what it is. So I can't even <laughs> give them the recognition they deserve. But it's like those kind of like those kind of like off the the main track brands that, that are really fighting the good fight because they're organic. They're using natural ingredients. You know, it's kind of like the mom and pop owned version of chapstick. You know, it's not. Yeah. not the uh, the big players the whales in the chapstick game if you will yeah no i get it i yeah fair enough fair enough so like you said you're in toronto now you're in san antonio before toronto you guys were in boston you've played what five games in the last seven days or something like that you guys have been all over the place we had we had four and five we had a little back-to-back at home a little friday saturday um we went clippers toronto we had Sunday off after the back to back. And then, uh, on Sunday, we flew to Boston, uh, which was great for me. Got an opportunity to see some family, catch up with some, some people near and dear to yours truly. Uh, and then we went, yeah, we went Boston and then, uh, right on the, the plane to, to go to Toronto, which I will point out, Toronto is actually, the most one of the most difficult back-to-backs in the league because you're coming into a new country, so you have to go through customs, which is a a, a casually overlooked uh, kind of caveat of traveling to Toronto. Granted, we travel very luxuriously, so I'm not I'm not gonna you know act like I'm I'm all high brass and, and can't go through customs, but. Yeah, come on now. It, it, it does add another 45 minutes, maybe an hour, uh, to the travel plans, which if you're planning on a back to back, those are, you know, really important sleep opportunities that you're missing out on. Um, so I, I will say that. But anyways, yeah, we had, we had the back to back, uh, in the Northeast there. And then, uh, today, I'll be at Wednesday the second, I believe, uh, we, uh, hopped on a, a, a flight from Toronto to come down to San Antonio because we had this game scheduled earlier in the year, but, uh, it, it was, uh, delayed or postponed due to a COVID outbreak that we had. So now we're back in San Antonio, which is beautiful. Third time this year we're in San Antonio. We came for preseason. Uh, we came for the one that got postponed, and now we're back again. How about that? You can never spend too much time in San Antonio. A couple follow-ups for you. You you guys play in Boston. That's what, a 7 o'clock tip-off, 7.30 tip-off? So that game's over at 11, 11 p.m., let's say. Uh, that's probably, you- probably more like 10. The game's over like 10, 10, 15. But oh, you're yeah. not out of I there what until you're what? You're not out of there until midnight? Yeah, 11.30, 11.45. And you're going straight to Toronto for a game the next night? Yeah. Yeah, so we just we go straight. Uh, you know, usually when it's a back-to-back, we try to be a little bit more punctual um, when leaving. And, uh, yeah, we just hop on hop on the bus, team bus, head right to the plane. And uh, like I said, with Toronto, it's a little bit different but just because of the customs. Um, but it's actually not that bad of a flight. I feel like, in general, the NBA tries to do a good job of, particularly with back-to-back, scheduling them so it's not like you're taking a three-hour flight in between. Sometimes we will because we'll have an away home back-to-back back and because Miami is a further destination for most, you know, if we're up in Detroit or whatever, that's a two and a half hour, um, three hour flight. I did see a back to back earlier this year. And I think this was off of a reschedule, but Brooklyn had a Sunday 
day game in Brooklyn and then they had a Monday night game in Portland. Um, so like oh those types of things, uh, like that's an anomaly. Like normally the, the league wouldn't put you on a, a three, four hour flight, uh, with a game the next day for a variety of reasons. Uh, the, the big one being safety, player safety, player welfare. Uh, it's probably not, not best for the bodies to, uh, to be playing a game after a long flight like that. Makes sense. But so you're getting to the hotel at what, 2 a.m. And then you guys are up the next day. Do you, on back to backs, are you guys like skipping the morning walkthrough? Or are there things that you're taking out of your schedule so that guys can rest? Cause playing two NBA games, I mean, you complain about your going through customs travel. Uh, and it's, you know, most people have to go through security and TSA. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps before getting on the flight that you guys get to skip, but you do have to play back to back professional basketball games. So I understand that, uh, rest and recovery is at a higher, uh, importance than maybe the casual fan or citizen traveling. Yeah. The, uh, the second day of a back to back game day looks a little different. It does. And, uh, the big one being is we won't have shoot arounds. On the second night of back to back, we'll have just a walkthrough in the hotel. So the schedule, you know, assuming guys are going to sleep in uh, a lot later than normal because exactly that. I mean, we've had back to backs uh, in my whatever it's been three, four years in the NBA where we've gotten into cities at 4 a.m., you know, 430. Um, so, you know, we think of it that way. You just try to get your eight hours. You know, I'm all about protecting the eight hours. So you take to. 430 to, to maybe 11. I usually can't sleep past 11 in that sort of setting. Uh, and then maybe try to squeeze in a nap after a walkthrough before you head to the game. So it is, it, it does kind of change, uh, the day to day, uh, or at least the routine, but. <clears throat> You know, it's it's part of of being a uh, a good team and a deep team is being able to win those games, win win back to backs. I mean, it's something we talk about in terms of something we try to prioritize going into a season is, you know, we we want to be a team that's not just going to lay over uh, or lay down on the second night of a back to back because there are teams that will because they're hard. There there's definitely challenges that come with it, um, but it's definitely something we you know take pride in is in going out there and, and trying to compete on second nights of back to backs for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Toronto's not a team you want to play on the second night of a back-to-back. Those guys just get after it. Yeah, and in, in, in that setting, um, you know, they also were on the second night of a back-to-back as well. So in, in a situation like that, there's there's definitely no excuses. It's actually funny when we were flying into Toronto, um, we saw their plane kind of like pulling up as as we were like on the bus at like 2.30 a.m. Um, and because they, they're in the cold, you know, they have people that start their cars for them. So they get there and, the, you know, there's snow on their cars or whatever. So like all their cars were on and like ready to go. It was like, it was kind of like that, uh, what movie is it? Anchorman where like they like meet in that back alley and it's like <laughs> yeah, all yeah, the different yeah. news. It's like all the different news teams. It like <laughs> yeah, almost yeah. had like that type of vibe <laughs> where we were all like coming together on this random tarmac 20 minutes outside of downtown Toronto. Uh, we should just yeah. squared off right there, you know? <laughs> It also takes me to uh, succession, uh, getting on the, you know, <clears throat> pulling up in the cars, deciding which jet's going first. Uh, it's That's good stuff. Logan and Kendall fighting over which jet takes off first. It's a power play. It's a power play. Are you yeah. just racing? Do you want to be the first off the plane or the second off the plane in that scenario? Uh, first off, you know, because then you're maximizing your right. hours of yeah, sleep. Yeah. And, then, and then all of a sudden you're getting a competitive advantage. You know, it's like, even if it doesn't really materialize in that way, it's a mental competitive advantage. Like we got here first, we're going to be more rested for the game tomorrow. Um, I get it. Well, here's the thing. That it, way. 
If you're second off the plane, though, you get to watch the Toronto guys get into their car, and then you start to get a scouting report on who's driving what. You know, did someone's car not get started in time? Are they upset about it? I just think there's some mental warfare you can you can start to battle with there. Or if maybe somebody's moving a little gingerly after the game that night, you right. know what I mean? Like maybe somebody's not at a hundred percent. Maybe you get a, an early tip on, on who's going to be available the next night. These are all things that I hadn't really considered until now. So I, I appreciate you being uh, thorough in your process over there. It, it really means a lot. Um, Dave, I got to tell you something, man. This week was a, a special one for me, um, uh, for a variety of reasons, but, but one of the main ones being that I had a chance to, meet somebody that I truly idolize. And, uh, you know, there's, it's not many times that I'm like, and I'm not saying this as like some sort of humble brag because it's really not that, but like the only time that I've ever truly been like kind of starstruck was when I went, met Michael Jordan when I was in college. Um, and I had another one of those this week and it was, it was a special moment. Uh, I shared it with you briefly after it happened, but, uh, I had the opportunity to, to meet Jermaine Cole, uh, one of my, my favorite artists, rappers, musicians. Uh, he was courtside at, at one of our games and, uh, I know you're a big fan of his as well. And it was just a special interaction and, and I wanted to, to share it not only with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm bragging about a little bit i wanted to to share it also in a a public forum as well while i'm could not be more glad that you brought this up because there's a lot i have to ask you about because we haven't talked about this in depth you're i I appreciate that you're willing to share it with the world now but it's one of those things we're trying to get you to share more on instagram you know i just think i know it's like pulling teeth for you but if we're not sharing a picture of you meeting j cole pregame like what are we doing you know it's like you guys beat the Knicks. You played well. We met J. Cole. It's just like, if that's not the most prime opportunity to share that with the world, but at least you're doing it now. So I, I have to ask, when like when does that interaction happen? I see a picture of you guys pregame, dap up. Are you leaving layup lines to go say hi to J. Cole? Is that okay? Is someone upset with you about that? So... This one was a long time coming. First off, I want to, I want to respond to your Instagram comment. Um, so I actually, I did post a picture on Instagram this week, a, a personal picture, not an advertisement. I know that's, that's a, uh, a big distinction for me, but I, I did post a picture and I actually used a J. Cole lyric and I tagged J. Cole in hopes, in oh, hopes God. that he would, since we had now, you know, met in person, the hope was that there would be some sort of social media follow up. <laughs> now, was it a little bit wishful thinking? Yeah, it was absolutely. Did I think maybe it I was, was going to get a. Maybe a con, honestly, but it wasn't, it didn't come from a desperate place. See, I, I think that what would have been desperate is if I had posted a picture, me with him, like we're like boys or something. You know what I mean? Then that's <laughs> like, that's you know, that, then now I'm like trying to create this curated perspective of like, you know, J. Cole and I FaceTime every other night. Like that's not what I wanted to do. Like I, it was more so like I wanted to pay homage to somebody who has been a guiding light in my career. And he truly is. And I I don't even say that like facetiously. Uh, like I mean it wholeheartedly when like I used to listen to the warm up, uh, Friday night lights, you know, when I was like in high school, like shooting in the gym, like late at night by myself. Like that was like my, that was like the soundtrack to my life in many ways. Um, but anyways, that's that's a little bit of a, a tangent. Anyways, so take us back to the summer. Um or not quite the summer. This was this was right before the start of the season. You actually were in Miami for a J. Cole concert. And I was trying to facilitate 
the opportunity to meet him. Now there's still some kind of COVID worries, whatever it was. So I didn't have the chance to. So then well, fast no, 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 forward. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not the full story. That's not the full story. Here's what actually happened. Or at least here's what I was told okay. is that right. we, J. Cole was performing in Miami. We had an opportunity to go meet him. We thought you were trying to coordinate a way that we could go say hi before the show. Cause we were going to the show. Yes. And I what, think what it was, I think what it was is that we were as the, the Miami Heat or FTX arena, whenever performers come to the arena, they're gifted something, you know, from the arena. Like there's some sort right. of gift that's given to them. And I was going to be the person who gave the gift because I requested to be, mind you. I was like, I, I'd love to meet Jay Cole. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, well, what we can do is we can set it up. So like you're the one giving the gift. So it doesn't just look like you're a fanboy. I was like, honestly, that you're sounds not, like a, you're not getting that a, call a to be play. the guy. You're not the first guy. No, in no, I'm, not, I'm not getting the nod for that one. But anyways, continue your story. So, so yes, you were, you were offered the opportunity to gift him the, the FTX or American Airlines, whatever it was at the time gift. You asked if I could come along with you. And they said no, because of COVID protocols, only one they could not have no guests. So what you did, and what was, did I say? What did I say, Dave? What did I say? You said, you said, if everybody's not eaten, I don't want a part of it. And you turned it down, which Duncan, you're an amazing, you're an amazing friend for that. The intention is great, but it was like, now I feel guilty for the rest of my life. I would have felt guilty if you had not met J Cole last week. It's like, what if you had never met him? What if you turned down the opportunity? You would never met him, never met him. And it's because purely because I couldn't go with you. It's like, okay, good friend move. But also now you're putting the guilt on me. It's like, that's something I had to carry. But here, here's the beauty in the story, Dave. I did meet him and we had, well, and you, you, we know had what, a, you, you know, what's funny. You know, what's funny, Dunk, is I remember you said at the time, you, it was just kind of a, you don't, you don't flex often, but I remember you said at the time you were like, Dave, I'm going to meet him. Like we'll have another yeah. opportunity. hundred percent. And, and honestly what happened, I, I think Probably what happened was prior to the game, I think we played the Knicks on a Wednesday. So Tuesday, he was coming to the gym to work out and get shots up. Some guys do that. Um, you know, they just want to like shoot around, whatever, play pickup with their boys, whatever it is. So the we or the arena, whatever it is, provides some availability for those guys to come in. So Caleb Martin, uh, teammate of mine, obviously from North Carolina actually has a relationship, friendship with J. Cole. So I was talking to Caleb. I was like, he was going to stick around and shoot. And this was after practice. I had something, I had like a treatment appointment I had to get to. So I was like, you know what? I'd love to stick around. But once again, like, it's not really my place. Like you guys are friends. Like, I don't want to just kind of be like standing there like, Oh, what's up, man? Like dap them up. And then what? Just like watch like that. That felt weird. It felt forced. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pass up on that opportunity as well. I feel like, I feel like it's going to happen in a, in a more organic setting. So anyways, fast forward the following night, we're playing the Knicks. We go out for layup lines. J cool is he's, he's sitting right next to the end of one of our lines, like on the right side, uh, across from our bench. And, uh, I got to imagine Caleb said something, but maybe he didn't. Honestly, I don't know. And I was just it's sitting better there. If he didn't. Let's say he did. I was like, try, I was like trying, I wasn't making eye contact with him or anything. And he goes, he goes, Duncan Rob, what's good. And I'm like, I like look over. I'm like, What's up, man? And I was like, so I was like, so taken back. I was like, 
why is he addressing me right now? So I just like went up and dapped him up. I was like, I was like, man, like, what's up, my guy? Like, I'm a huge fan, been a fan for a minute. And he was like, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a fan of you. Let me tell you, I'm a fan of you. And that was like, damn, that was crazy. That was like a crazy moment to have for me uh, to hear him reciprocate the appreciation, obviously not to the same level, uh, because legitimately I've, I've been a fan of, of his for the longest. But anyways, after the game, uh, you know, I had to do like a, a quick, like radio media thing and he was out by the floor. So that, at that point I had to take the, the, uh, advantage of the opportunity to dap him up again. I went over, I was like, Hey man, appreciate you coming. Blah, blah. We chopped it up for a little bit. Um, and then he had his viral moment with Tyler, which, you know, naturally would, would go right. viral of mine would just kind of be Correct. like a, a forgotten memory that I'll always yeah. have and hold on to. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it was a, a long winded story, but man, what a, what a special moment it was to, uh, to, to meet J. Cole. No, it's it's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing. I do think it's funny that there's a million crispy, clear pictures of him and Tyler, and there's one like blurry one of the two of you, even though you had two interactions. I think that's maybe just something that you know we're gonna have to deal with. Yeah, actually, uh I mean I've 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 experienced that in so many different ways, the Tyler Hero thing. Uh even today, because when we go through uh customs in Toronto, we actually have to go through like the normal part of the airport to board our plane because we have to go through like normal customs and, uh, two different people in the maybe, I don't know, 200 foot span where we're walking through the normal terminal, come up to me and take a picture and go, hero, hero, <laughs> and try to take a picture with me. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not Tyler, but I'll take a picture with you. Like, sure, you're probably going to want to delete this later, but you can go tell your friends you took a picture with Tyler Hero. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it hasn't slowed down at all. If anything, with, with how he's played this year, it's just taken off even more. And, you know, when I'm wearing like a hat or a mask you're really just banking on the complexion like that's the only thing you're 100%. really going off of like we're both tall um he probably dresses significantly better than i do so there's another distinction that you could probably make but um you know i i, I don't necessarily fault people but uh, I, I do get the hero mix up still quite a bit do you know if you google white guy on miami heat it just comes up with tyler's profile i mean yeah that uh, that makes, I mean, that's just like, uh, it's just simple mathematics. It's like an algorithm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like who people, it's like statistically, who are people looking for when they search white guy on the eat? It's not Duncan Robinson. It's Tyler. Here. I don't and know. Be. I don't know. I don't know. There's gotta be somebody out there who searches that when they see a five, five starting lineup. You're the only white guy out there. I think it's very natural that someone would, would Google white guy on the Miami heat. And then they would think you're Tyler. And then maybe they see you in the airport after Googling that, seeing the name pop up, and then they think you are Tyler Hero actually in the flesh. Yeah, I suppose it's possible. I mean, honestly, I I, uh, I don't dislike, you know, being in, in the, the shadows. It's it's a perfectly fine place to be. And not to mention, I mean, he, he deserves the notoriety. The guy's playing at all-star level. Uh, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this podcast, he has been acknowledged as an all-star, right? Uh, we have those selections coming up here. I, I think what it's Thursday, right? That, that they're, they're yeah, doing yeah. the reserves. Is that right? Yes. Um, yes. Which, tomorrow. Which yeah. it'll be, when it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, see how all that shakes out. But anyways, all in all, fantastic week. Had the opportunity to meet J. Cole. Speaking of you living in notoriety, what are the chances that J. Cole doesn't know your last name? And Duncan Rob was all he could remember. 
Robertson, Robinson, Robbie. I I considered that uh, possibility. I absolutely did. Um, I, I prefer to live in a, a world where he knows my full name. It was more of a nickname, and and you know him and I are now on nickname basis. You know that that's yeah, the world that I'm choosing to live in. Um, yeah, also. You know, if, if you're still listening at this point and, and you're realizing that Davis and I are just kind of going back and forth on <laughs> just a whole bunch of random stuff, uh, I think there's this is an opportunity for some transparency to our listeners in that we had Always. a fantastic guest lined up for you uh, this week. It was going to be a fun one, and it still is going to be a fun one. But, you know, given the, uh, the recent kind of hectic schedule that I have tied in with the hectic schedule of said guest who will not be named, um, it fell through. And, you know, that's just the world that we're living in these days. You know, people Nature are... Of the beast. Yeah, people are busy. Uh, I'm pretty busy. Davis is kind of busy. Um, not at all. Yeah, honestly, Davis Davis has absolutely no excuse. If Davis ever has to cancel uh, because he claims to be busy, that's when you know he's gotten too big for his bridges. He's just gotten too big right. time. Um, but yeah, we had a guest and it fell through. So you're just gonna, you know, listen listen to us this week. Just fired up and honestly, we got some good stuff we want to talk about. Uh, obviously, some <laughs> basketball stuff and just some absolutely random stuff like Canadian customs and meeting J Cole. Sure, chapstick, chapstick, J. Cole. of course. Anything else on your mind over there, Dave? What do we got? No, but I am curious with the J. Cole thing. So you meet him before the game. We can move off of J. Cole after this, but this is not specific to J. Cole. You meet him before the game, and then he's sitting foot on wood for the next 48 minutes. Yeah. Does that is that impact your game at all? Like, are you there's gotta be a little extra motivation. Like I just met J. Cole, and then you go for 25. There has to be some correlation there of just boost, I, you know, you obviously don't give me the every game. I'm going to give it my all. There has no, to I'm be not gonna give you that. just an added ounce. Honestly, I don't, I, I wish I could say that there is, and I'm not going to give you a media answer. There <laughs> are some games, there are some games where you feel it and you just kind of have that like kind of juice, that little extra, whatever. And maybe it was, maybe it was the J. Cole thing. I don't necessarily think that it was. Um, but then there are other games that you, you know, you kind of have to get up for a little bit more. That's just the, the human nature, the human condition side, uh, to when you're going to play 82 games in, in a year. Not every single game you're going to feel like, you know, this is game seven of the, the NBA finals. Um, so will I say that there was maybe a tiny little added something? Yes, but, I, you know, I felt the same thing for the, the, the Lakers game. I, I felt the same thing for the Hawks game the, the time before. Uh, honestly, I felt the same thing for the Celtics game, uh, the other day. You know, it's just like, you don't always know how you're going to feel going into a game. And obviously you do everything you can from a preparation and rest perspective of trying to get your body right and get in the right mental space. But, um, you know, honestly, as, as funny as it sounds, sometimes that stuff is just simply outside of your control. I mean, I, I imagine you probably experience it to some degree as well. You know, some some weeks you're you're fired up and ready to go and just ready to crush a recording, and and other one times it's like, you know, you're you're moving in quicksand. Hundred percent, one hundred percent, and it was that way when I was looking at Excel spreadsheets too. You know, sometimes I was really looking forward to crunching the numbers. Sometimes it was all just got blurry, and I didn't know what I was looking at. You know, it just happens. It happens, I think, across all professions. Um, do you? recognize fans 
during games, like guys sitting courtside. Cause I know you like in Miami, you guys have Shaq sitting courtside or you have DJ Khaled. You guys are in Toronto and Drake's courtside. Are there like, I know you're locked in on the game, but is there a free throw or a timeout or a moment where you look over and you're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You, you occasionally will acknowledge like in those kind of dead moments, legitimately never, like I can't even, couldn't even tell you a time during the game where I've actually like actively acknowledged somebody like in a game. Um, by the way, there's also a, a picture of me dapping up DJ Khaled after the Lakers game. So we'll Big be sure, sure to put, push that one out there as well. Um, which by the way, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw what he did for that game. So he had these like super rare Jordans. I think that he was wearing. I, I honestly didn't know that they were. I think PJ or somebody had told me that they were like this really rare, uh, Jordan. And he actually brought a little pillow to put his feet on so his feet wouldn't be touching the ground. <laughs> it was no like way. a mat. It was like a satin matching pillow that matched up with his Jordans. And he was sitting courtside right next to our bench. And I, I was like, looked over, like turned one of the timeouts. I was like, is that a pillow underneath his feet? And somebody made a comment of like, yeah, it's like some really rare Jordan. So he's like trying not to like, I don't know, have them touch the ground, which is like, <laughs> I guess he was maybe carried or I don't know. There's, there's, pictures of it floating around out of the gym. Uh, I don't know. Just an absolutely preposterous move. But he had his he had his son there as well. Um and you know his son was I think in like a matching Louis V like jumpsuit or whatever it was. I was just like, God, that kid is gonna be so cool when he gets older. Like wow, that's awesome. Poor scar. The kid's probably walking out of the gym while DJ Khaled's getting pushed in like a scooter. Getting yeah. pushed in I mean, a stroller, uh, so his Jordans don't hit the ground. When, uh, when you got it to that level, though, like that's a move that you just have to respect. <laughs> You're just showing up to courtside seats with pillows under your feet. That's just that's just a new tier. You're creating a whole new tier just for yourself. It's really, really special stuff. And and DJ Khaled's doing it. You got to tip your tip your cap to the guy. I don't know. The verdict's still out on whether I respect that or or am almost embarrassed by it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What, uh, do we have anything? Should we get to the question of the week here? Do you have anything? I want your take on Tom Brady retiring. Cause Ooh. I know you're a Boston guy, <laughs> Patriots through and through. I've heard the whole Tom Brady spiel before. So I just want your, I just want your reaction. Well, I'll start by, by saying thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> some of my more formative years, it's safe to say that Tom Brady was a, a staple uh, of influence and somebody who 
really in many ways molded me. I'm saying this like kind of joking, but like growing up in New England, Patriots football is it's it's a certain form of religion. Like it really is. Like the dedication to football Sundays uh just knows no bounds. And and I was as dialed in as anybody. I I remember when they lost to the Giants. I didn't go to school the next day. I'm not proud to admit that, but it, it happened. You know, I was like, I was in shambles. I refused to get out of my bed. I was that dedicated, uh, which now like looking back, I think as a kid, it's, it's okay. But like, sometimes I also look at like, and I'm not taking shots at anybody. But, like sometimes I look at like adults now that like have that level of fashion and I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm thankful I grew out of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, that's, that's neither here nor there. Like, hey, but, you need something else to hold on to, buddy. <laughs> anyways, I'm not going to get into that because I, I do love when, when fans are like passionate. And I think that's, we've talked about this before, but like, that's one of the most special things about sports is that like, I think everybody kind of collectively acknowledges that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, but it, does really matter still at the same time. Uh, that's a, a sentiment that I completely stole from Hassan Minaj when he was on our show, but nonetheless, I, I think it's a really good one. Um, in terms of Tom retiring, go ahead. What do you got? I agree, Dunk, but at the same time, there is a difference between caring about the Patriots and Tom Brady and having like posters on your wall that you, you know, give a tap to before you go to bed. You know, like there's a, there's a line there somewhere that I think once you become a grown adult, it starts to become a little weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay, fair. But when I was a kid, I had posters of like a bunch of basketball players, like football players, everything like Tiger Woods. Like I had everything up in my room. Um, I don't know what, not that we need to get into a psychoanalysis of what my childhood room looked like, but, uh, anyways, I would actually love to Tom, know. I mean, Tom, Tom was, uh, the ultimate competitor. I mean, what I think somebody broke it down for me the other day. And I think this alone is just incredible that you could make an argument. You could split his career up into three different sections and it would be worthy of three different hall of fame careers like each little section would be worthy of its own hall of fame recognition. And and I think the, the longevity, um, one of the things that I always loved that he would say is like, when I go against you on Sundays, you better be ready to commit your entire life to winning in the game of football, because I know that I have. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to beat me. Um, that level of just like savagery. Like, I think it, it's funny because especially when he's like, you know, when he was 40 or 44 or whatever, you see him moving around. He's, you know, not the most mobile guy, but like, I also love the clips of him like getting up in, uh, Honey Badger, whatever his name, Tyra Matthews face and like talking shit and like doing all like, he's still an absolute savage, which is just like that level of competition sustained over that stretch of time uh, is just incredible. Like it, re- it really is. And I think it's like everyone collectively acknowledges him as, as the greatest. Um, I was a little disappointed that Patriots fans didn't get a, too much love and his, his kind of like goodbye Instagram. But I also understand it. I think there was some animosity uh, left there. And I, and I think he also kind of picked up some of the pieces after the fact and, and did, you know, give the thank yous where they were due. But uh, anyways, it's, it's a, it's a sad day for uh, it's a happy and sad day for the sport of football because, you know, you celebrate a career, but also you're, you're losing a competitor. 
Did you feel personally attacked by not getting a Patriots mention? Are, are the posters coming down in your bedroom? Well, the posters have been down in my bedroom for, for quite a while. Um, I'm pretty sure my, my, my mom has transitioned my childhood room into basically it looks like a hotel room. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, a pseudo Airbnb, but at breakfast type of thing. Um, no, the, the Duncan Robinson, uh, Tim Duncan David Robinson, is that it's done? Yeah. No. yeah, it's gone. It's tragic. That was a legendary poster. I had a, and fitting now that we're in, we're in San Antonio right now, but I had a, a Duncan Robinson, uh, Dun- Tim Duncan, David Robinson, uh, poster of them back to back. So it said Duncan Robinson in my room is great stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I honestly did not feel any, you like at that point, Tom, like do whatever you, you got to do, man, give your thank yous where you feel that they're necessary. I think it was kind of like bullshit, honestly, that Schefter, whoever it was, uh, kind of stole his thunder anyways, by kind of breaking the, the news cycle of his retirement. I think he, if anything, deserved to have that moment be his own and not have it be leaked in the way that it was. Um, so with that being said, like do whatever you got to do. It is an interesting conversation like the role of and we've talked about this a little bit Woj and Shams in the NBA and how they are the truth tellers like they are first to the news if they tweet it it's pretty much fact and they always know before anybody else and so it's a case of that it's like yeah Tom Brady I'm sure wanted to control that narrative release that information on his own time on his own schedule which is why he immediately came out after and was like well no final decision has been made when clearly it had Schefter got the early scoop on it but Dunk we learned this the hard way in the summer. Thanks. We were under the impression that the long shot was going to be able to break the free agency news. That it was going to be our, our tweet that, that told the world you were coming back to Miami and Woj was going to repurpose our tweet. But what happened yeah. as soon as it hit what? Two o'clock. It hit yeah. two o'clock. Three, I had the tweet. PM, I, I think. I'm I'm looking at my phone, Dunk. I have Twitter up. I have the tweet typed out. At two o'clock, I'm getting ready to hit send. And what do I see? A notification that Woj has tweeted. Duncan Robinson, co-host <laughs> of At the Long Shot Pod, <laughs> has signed the. D- so credit to him. He did still give us our shout out, which was legendary yeah. stuff. But that tweet was supposed to come from me, Dunk. And you know what happened? I was five seconds late. And it's a dog eat dog world out there it really in the world is. of breaking sports news. Five seconds was enough. And, and everything is time stamped. So you know, who's first, but like the oh, yeah. naivete, the naivete of us two to think that we were going to be able to like surpass Woj in, in gaining information. And mind you, it was my own information, but even still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Like these are, these are media whales. They're media conglomerates. <laughs> Woj and Shams are, they're, they're bigger than any individual as, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's like, there's beauty in that because it's like the fact that those people can exist shows that there's such a market for it that people like love that, like breaking news and the cycles, the news cycles and, you know, free agency and the trades and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there is also something like Tom Brady should have that moment. Like he should be able, if, if anything, he should be able to go out on his own terms to the point where like, I actually thought, and I, and I obviously don't have this type of information, but you know, if he could 
possibly, you know, maybe we could utilize the Michigan connection, get him on the pod. We can pick his brain, but like this idea of like him coming back just to spite Adam Scheffner, like you're not going to take my moment. I'm coming back for another year just because you said that. Um, like I could see a world where, where he would do that. I think that would be incredible. And then also like Scheffner is just looking like a, a clown because he reports something that, that seemingly was not true. Um, but you know, Whatever. I, all in all, I'm, I'm just happy that the guy has clearly got his flowers. There's been a ton of uh, Brady love, deservedly so, over this last week or so. Yeah, I've seen enough Tom Brady stuff. I'm, I'm done with it. Okay, question of the week. This comes from Discord. This comes from Chad on Discord. Shout out Chad. Chad, they, oh dear. Chad, Chad. They ask, is there a commonly taught shooting technique that is just wrong? Like beef or being squared up or something else. What is beef? Beef is, uh, bend, elevate, extend, finish, I believe is beef. Wow. I mean, that, that, that might have like been my own little version of it. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I think beef, uh, being squared to the basket are both incredibly like antiquated, um, and are just not overall accurate or I should say all encompassing. Like some people sh- might shoot that way and it might be effective for them. Um, but I think, and I, and I've, I think I've spoken about this before, but I think the biggest thing when it comes to shooting is that you have to find something that's comfortable for you and not everybody is anatomically made the same way or, or can move the same way. So what is comfortable for me, you know, whereas maybe my elbow might be more tucked in, that might be, that might be really bothersome for somebody. And they might think there's no way I can get to the ball, the ball to the rim this way. Now, what it is, is you can find little ways to kind of tweak and, and, and change that. Right. So like one thing that, that I always get asked about is, is having your elbow under the ball. And I actually, teach it where instead of being square to the rim, you actually, if you're a righty and you're looking at the hoop, you almost want to be tilt your shoulders to the left. So you're, it's almost like you're throwing darts with that right hand because that's just going to free your elbow because all your, your elbow and arm are just levers and you want to give them, you know, the maximum, uh, ability to kind of move and, and find, you know, freedom without restriction. So I think the, the beef and being square to the rim, like, you know, line your toe up with the rim and line your other foot up, you know, a half a foot behind your other one, like all that stuff and, and trying to put every single individual into a box of how to shoot, I think is really kind of comes down to being counterproductive. I think there are a lot of people out there that are starting to kind of realize this. And what I think people have found and people who really look into this stuff is that there are certain uh, commonalities between all shooters that, that really shoot at a high level. And there are certain things that every guy does. And it's not necessarily about how it looks, but it's more so about, you know, making sure that the shot is, is repeatable and, and you, and simple in that way. Or, you know, you have a finish and a follow through that snapped at the end, or like there are certain motions, uh, that might look a little bit different, but a lot of the kind of like the, the kind of meat and potatoes of the jumper is actually, uh, there is a lot of carryover there. So I think that in terms of like teaching shooting, like the old, so like hold the pizza, you know, shoot it up is, is actually like pretty out of date. Um, I think it's good for like teaching like beginners because it kind of gives them some more of a framework and structure to kind of just latch onto early on. But as you get up to a higher level, um, I think if you're still relying on beef, you're probably not going to be too successful. 
is my own is my own two cents. Granted, I, I don't I, you know I don't write the book on shooting. Um, you know, somebody more qualified should and, and probably does, but that, that's just my take. I mean, you're fairly qualified. Here's a question: When you shoot free throws, do you put your foot on the nail? Like, do you line your toe up on the nail? So I, so I used to, that's an interesting one. I used to line my toe up on the nail, but then, uh, a shooting coach of mine, Rob Foder, the shooting guy on Instagram, honestly, you, you should follow his stuff. Uh, if, if you're, you know, want to become a better shooting because he does really unique drills and, and really has a good grasp over, uh, what it is he's doing. And actually the, the other guy, um, Mike Dunn, see Mike Dunn, uh, is kind of like a protege of Rob Foder and the shooting guy. And Mike Dunn does a lot of the stuff that Rob, a lot of the drills that, that, uh, Rob teaches and Rob's been a shooting coach with the heat for a long time. And, uh, him and I work really closely together and he's, he does some really, really creative stuff. So, Originally, I'd always put my, my, my toe on the nail when shooting free throws. And he had a really interesting thought. He goes, well, you don't shoot. The ball doesn't line up exactly with your toe. So why don't instead of lining your toe up, why don't you line up where the ball will be right at the nail? Thus giving you, you know, just a straight shot, uh, to the rim every single time. So I actually positioned my, my right foot a little bit to the right of the nail to then in turn line the ball up, uh, with the nail. So I'm shooting a straight shot every time. But like it's, you know, it's just little stuff like that. Like, you know, stuff that, and, and, and you know, you might be a, 85% free throw shooter, 88% free throw shooter with your, with your toe on the nail. Like for much of my career, that's always what I've done. And I've never like struggled to make free throws. Um, but even those, just those little things, those little tweaks, you know, when you're able to like get little victories within the margins, those can make a really big difference. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, uh, I put my toe on the nail just if you were curious. And, uh, I was, I was, but honestly, Dave, you, uh, you've gotten some, some slander for your jumper. I, I've always thought you have a pretty good looking jump shot. Um, Thank you. other people seem to disagree. Uh, JJ Reddick, I believe recently called it a push shot, uh, which is pretty demeaning. Yeah. Basically, uh, yeah. saying that you're not capable or strong enough to get in the ball to the rim, uh, is basically what that comes across as that you got to just kind of heave it up there. But I, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I play a lot of basketball with you. I've always seen you shoot at a high level. So I always say, you know, different strokes for different folks, you know, whatever, Thank whatever you. fits, just, just let it fly. 88 percent uh believe i still hold the record at Olathe northwest high school for free throw shooting in a career so you know hey jj i'm not pushing those free throws buddy take, Actually, I, take was. That. I i i really don't take any offense to that because i think we talked to him about this i am not strong enough to get a three an nba three to the rim anymore after like 10 attempts everything just starts hurting so yeah it was a push shot all right i'm also not a professional basketball player it's interesting though. That's actually another, an idea of shooting that I think is, uh, not necessarily, I guess antiquated or kind of like misunderstood that like in order to shoot from deeper, you need more legs. Like it's not necessarily that you like bend your knees more. Like you, wherever you're shooting, you should have an athletic base, but like shooting deeper isn't necessarily about like jumping higher or like, or, uh, you like having a more of an aggressive jump or whatever it is, or like loading your legs deeper. It's more about how efficiently you're able to move the ball. So like one thing for me, when I'm, when I'm moving further away from the rim, one thing I always think about is instead of, 
you know, shooting with more legs, keeping the ball actually closer to your body, because that's going to allow you to generate more force upwards, which is ultimately going to get the ball to the rim uh, easier, more effortless. That's how you find those, those quote unquote effortless jumpers where it just looks like, you know, so smooth and clean. Um, and, and, you know, some people say like, oh, well, that's just natural. Like, but no, I, I think like anything, you can develop an effortless jump shot. It's something that can be worked at and crafted uh, like any skill. Um, and I really believe that. So there's another thing of, of shooting that you, that like, you know, the further you get away from the rim, the more legs you need. No, it's actually the closer you should keep the ball to your body and the earlier you should let it go. If you're like, if you're pulling the ball over your head, holding it and then trying to fire it at the rim, you're stopping the ball. Instead, you want, you want to think about moving the ball in one direction, keeping the energy of the pull from, from wherever the ball starts and just letting it fly. Um, and less about like, oh, I got to bend more and, you know, shoot with more and all that sort of stuff. Like shooting with more arc will happen naturally when you do those other things. It's a byproduct of the process. It's not necessarily what you should aim for. Cause if you just try to shoot with more arc, then all of a sudden you're like, you're changing your mechanics and heaving and do all this crazy stuff, uh, just to get more arc. That's really good stuff. That's beautiful. You've said it, you've said a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, it's all about repetition. You find what's comfortable, you rep it out until True it's second story. nature, and you just you fire away. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, you want to hit a long thoughts and then we can get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. What do we got? I got a, I got a good one for you this week. Mm. Because I think this is just a, this is an important question in, in life. This, this comes from... Thomas, and he starts it off with apologizing because this is a basketball related question. But Thomas, I actually disagree. I think this is something that can be related to everything. He's asking about the balance between being humble and being confident and how you toe that line. He tells a story about how he's playing basketball. He's with a new team um, and he's struggling a bit with his confidence he says, I want to believe that nobody can stop me on the court, but I don't want to get caught up with that and forget the real reason I can be unstoppable, the work and effort that I put in. Mm. I think the same question applies. Okay, so he is admitting that it is not just sports. He says, I think the same question applies, for example, when studying for an exam. You might be willing to put in the hours of study, but if you're not sure if the subject is too difficult for you, your study method, or, or not sure if your study method is the right one. So how, <laughs> he apologizes for the email being too long. No, we love it. I skipped a lot of it. I apologize. But Dunk, he's asking, how do you toe this line? How do you toe this line of remaining humble, you know, remaining with the mindset that you got to put the work in, but at the same time, understanding that you have put that work in and being confident in that work? It's a great question. 
And I want to start off by saying that my answer to this is just going to be a collection of me stealing other people's ideas and drawing inspiration from others. Uh, So very little of this is... I mean, some of it's come from my own realization that I've like learned over time. Uh, like I've learned what has been kind of my truth, I guess, if you will. Uh, but ultimately I've, I've kind of gotten to this point because I've listened to other people. One thing that is well, mine wait, is hold that. On, hold on. You don't need to apologize for that. I mean, that's how you learn things. True. But you're not supposed to figure true. things out on your own. You take advice from others and then you apply it to your life and what makes sense. I I appreciate you cutting me some slack on that. I'll start by saying this. For me, I think it's important to acknowledge where you derive your confidence from. So for me personally, where I derive my confidence from is my work ethic and knowing that I'm prepared for an opportunity and knowing that I've earned an opportunity. Now, whether or not that opportunity happens or not, oftentimes is outside of my control. In some cases it can be, you know, if you continue to show up, but the importance from the confidence standpoint is knowing that I've checked the boxes that I've needed to check. Now, where the humble side comes in is also understanding that there are a whole lot of things outside of my control that likely needed to happen for this to come together the way that it has. And I think that it's important. And I I took this one from JJ Reddick and and I love it is I've always tried to have this mindset of never arrived, always becoming. And I heard him say that I heard him say it to the Duke uh, basketball team on like a YouTube clip. I think when I was in like, college or maybe high school. And, and I fell in love with it the first time I heard it because it's absolutely true. And, and, and so many times, and, and it's kind of this perfect balance of answering this question because so many times in my career, you kind of, I've had these little moments and, and they happen in like, in, in little spurts, right? Where you feel like, oh, wow, like this is all coming together. And you might think, oh, wow, I've, I've arrived, right? And then all of a sudden you're very quickly humbled because the game of basketball has an incredible way of doing so into realizing that, no, actually you haven't arrived. There's still so much more uh, that you need to accomplish. And on top of that, there's still so many people that are like gunning for the position that you're at. Like there's, you should never function in this moment of being comfortable um, as kind of like nerve wracking and, and anxiety filled as that can be. That's also kind of like the beauty of what makes competing uh, at a high level. And it doesn't have to be basketball. It could be anything. But um, and, and the other side of it, too, is like anytime you feel like you've arrived, that's when you kind of tend to let your guard down a little bit and find that comfort. Uh, and that's when you're more susceptible to that kind of slippage. But I think that it's it it comes down to that mix of like knowing knowing where your confidence comes from and and it comes from different places for different people and and i truly believe that like mine mine just has always come from knowing that i'm prepared but then also understanding that just because you've done all that you can doesn't guarantee anything and it, it doesn't mean that anything uh is owed to you because quite frankly it it isn't um and that people have done as much as you and more than you and not been afforded the opportunities that you've had. So I think like constantly trying to just 
remind yourself and, and can have that perspective uh, is where you're kind of able to toe that line between being really confident that you're ready and, and earning an opportunity, but then also kind of knowing the, the, uh, the kind of like fleeting feeling that, that a moment can have um, and that it can all be like gone really quickly. Wow. What do you got, Dave? Give That's me really something. Give me a break. Give me some, uh, you know, you've, you've been through some, some adversity and, and had to perform on some big stages yourself. So what do you got? Well, so I, I have the, this opposite problem of never really feeling that confident. I think I'm always uh, afraid of being humbled, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to add, to be honest with you. I think you, you broke that down beautifully. I, confidence comes from the work. I think that there's an analogy I heard that a boat at sea drifts without direction, Dunk. I think that was the analogy. Even even with an anchor, if you drop an anchor, that boat's going to it's going to be moving, it's going to be drifting. But as soon as it has a go- as soon as it has a direction and it's on a course, it can stay on that course. And the analogy was being used to talk about how if you have if you're putting in the work, you have a direction, the boat's going to go. The boat's going to go in the direction you need it to go. So I think the confidence comes from putting in the work, like you said. And we talked about this a little bit in our last long thoughts of dealing with anxiety and, and uh, performance anxiety and making a list, checking things off, doing the work that you need to do. That's where your confidence comes from. But just like you said, with all of those things taken care of, there's still so much that's out of your control and that's, that's, I think, where that anxiety can come in is like, there's things that, that, uh, you know, can throw off that work. Even if you put in on the work, there are things that can throw you off from that goal. So I think just like you explained, you put in the work, that's where your confidence comes from, but you have to have an understanding and an appreciation for, there are still these things that are out of my control that could throw things off a little bit. So all I'm going to do is build this confidence from the work that I'm putting in and then let the chips fall where they may. I love it. That's poetic. I, and I appreciate your, your, but I appreciate the question too. I, I love the, uh, the turn that, that the long shot has taken into a very introspective, uh, Come podcast. On one where we, you know, try to take a, uh, a peer, a peek inside the deeper layers. You know, there's, there's so much surface level journalism done these days. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> talked about, we've talked about the narratives and, and, sure. uh, you know, the different forms of media that are clickbaity and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's refreshing to, to kind of get into the, the deeper, the deeper, heavier stuff. Cause that's where, you know, that's where the difference is. I really believe that. Yeah. That's where, where you really get things going, you know? Yeah, exactly. You get uncomfortable. You get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, sure. anyways, do you got anything else for us, Dave, or what do we got? I got nothing. All right. Well, I know we said this last week, but I, I am very optimistic uh, that we're going to have a guest next week. And if we don't, you know what? We'll just be back for, uh, you know, some more <laughs> introspective talk. But no, uh, all jokes aside, I, I really do think uh, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in regardless. But um, feedback is always welcome. But we're looking forward to having a guest on next week and uh, looking forward to a, another week of the long shot. But appreciate you guys as always tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you uh, on the flip side.